Given the circumstances, I'm sure you'll understand if, for the time being, we can't make you and your crew too welcome here. But in any case, you'll finally be able to get some rest. Thank you for understanding. With the destruction of the Earth Alliance headquarters, the world is once again shifting in a new direction. Once you're all rested, I'll give you an update on the latest news reports coming in. You'll see for yourselves. I'm sure it'll provide you with more than enough food for thought. You might even question why you decided to wear that uniform in the first place. It's a Gundam, the internet's best and only episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast, as far as I know. My name is Jeremy. I'm Tyler. Hi, my name is Zach. I really like that hedging there. I was going to say, you're, that's really going to bite you if someone else starts making one of these. By the time we actually release it, somebody will already have done that. Look, we're very close. We just need a logo, and for Tyler to write some scripts, and for Tyler to say, uh, I can't write these scripts, and for me to just <laughs> go in and do it manually. <laughs> but yeah, Gundams, they're awesome. They are. Yes, they are. Very much so. And we're going to be watching episode 35 of Gundam Seed today, Divine Thunder. And this is going to be the return of our game, so stay tuned for that. Oh, sweet. There was one scene in this episode that scored more points than all but one other episode that has scored points. Okay. Um, Screen time between Diarca and Millie. (laughs) (laughs) Close. Look, they're the best. Just Diarca's screen time, period. (laughs) Zach's not answering, so I kind of wonder if that's it. <laughs> I don't want to confirm or deny this suspicion. You can neither confirm nor to deny the existence of Diarca Elsman. <laughs> no one can. <laughs> He's lost in the brig. Hey, he returns this episode, too. That's why I'm assuming it was him. All right, so if this is your first time listening, hi. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> why are you starting here? <laughs> that's a good question. You know, it's after the traumatic events. Like, we're kind of recovered from that. And of course, then the second question, if you have been listening to us, why are you still listening to us? Look, look, they heard Moo gets a mobile suit in this episode. Spoiler. And they're like, yeah, this is where I want to jump on. <laughs> Can we call it a mobile suit? No, we can't. <laughs> mobile suit Gundam? <laughs> it sounds like it'd be some kind of cow-themed mobile suit. Look, <laughs> It belongs to G Gundam. It's would... a bovine mobile suit. Look, I would read that Chibi Omaki, but <laughs> we cannot call it that. It is now going to be known as the mobile suit. <laughs> Well, he gets the strike, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, it looks so weird compared to the freedom now. I'm it's like, just badly animated in this episode. Okay, that might have something to do with I it. Very much, it's got weird proportions in particular on, like, the... The head thing? The head antenna. Okay. I saw it, and I'm like, man, this looks crappy compared to the freedom. What happened to it? I guess it got it also, blowed up. It also doesn't have any of the packs, right? That, that's true, but it looks way worse than it did in the first episode without any packs, too. That's true. That's because Moo's piloting it now. He's a natural. Coordinators bring out the best appearance. <laughs> it got blowed up. They had to rebuild it. Yeah, but it'll look fine next episode or the episode after whenever it gets used. They spray painted it. All right, but if you haven't been listening for some reason, Gundam Seed is a show about giant robots and the angsty teenagers who drive them. Mostly, <laughs> well, that's accurate. The and it's entirely accurate. And the really cool father figures who are stuck in a jet. 
<laughs> We're probably gonna die later. Moo's too good for this world. No! Spoilers! <laughs> Banned! Banned! <laughs> That's okay. You can cut that. <laughs> I will. Uh, just... He travels back in time to the U.S. colony of Roanoke and is what destroys it. <laughs> how did you sense. find out about that anyway? I accidentally found it out in the Gundam wiki. I was looking up how to spell someone's name. I'm like, oh, I should go read this article about Moo. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you know why me and Jeremy hate him so much. Oops. Actually, no, you, you know part of why we hate him so much. <laughs> no, yeah, I know nothing about his character. Other than the fact that he looks a lot like Rao, which is why I'm pretty sure Moo is a Rao clone, or the other way around. So anyway, Moo and Rao are foil characters. They're both like the cool dads of their teams. Rao's a lot more of a dick. <laughs> yeah. Kiriyamato is the mainest of characters. He hangs out with Moo and is trying to be a reasonable person to impress his girlfriend and achieve world peace. Atherin is very <laughs> confused because his fiance is now his ex-fiance, and she told him to go talk to his best friend who he thought he murdered. <laughs> oh, see, that all makes perfect sense. Yeah. Atherin's the less main character. Yes. Also, there are Diarca and Izak. They're trying to be relevant. Diarca isn't a brig. Izak is brooding it with a scar. Hey, I forgot the most important member of Atherin's team. Nickel. He's dead. Well, he was very important in order to help motivate Atherin to murder Kira. What about Rusty? Didn't Rusty matter? Yes, no. but Kira <laughs> didn't kill Rusty. Did he not? No. No, uh, I think Maru killed him, or a soldier. No, some random... We don't know who killed Rusty. Rusty just kind of died. Remember, Rusty didn't have <laughs> Rusty. a face. You're thinking of Miguel. Oh, yeah, no, I am thinking of Miguel. That's true. Kira yeah. did kill Miguel. Gundam Seed has a lot of characters. There's also Flay. She has that perk where she can just find a gun sometimes. <laughs> She's an American. Perk has a gun. She took American at character creation. Perk went to Walmart. And also Kigali, who is definitely not Kira's sister. No. No, no. They're not related at all. They don't look nothing alike. This I is mean, the worst recap of this series we've ever done. Yeah, that is fine. true. <laughs> it's one of those days. Space Captain Americas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, the reason that they're at war is because some people are altered at birth to be awesome, and the people who aren't are jealous and want to war them. Want to war them? <laughs> yep. That's It's a verb. The awesome people fell into a trap, and almost all of them died, except the ones we already talked about, but that made the main characters sad, and now they are kind of deserted. And they're going to go to Space Japan, a.k.a. Orb, which is not actually in space, to figure out what to do next. Future Japan, maybe. I always thought of it as Space Sweden, because they're neutral. They are neutral, but they are 100% Japan. They are an island nation that accepts lots of people and are really good at technology. And have a military defense force. Yeah, that they don't use to attack other people. Pretty sure it's just Japan. Although, what's great is the Super Robot Wars games where there's Orb and Japan, and you can never tell where <laughs> each one is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I think that's everything, right? Yep, Sounds I think so. Like so let's go ahead and start episode 35 slash 37, Divine Thunder. If you're watching it on Crunchyroll or Hulu or YouTube, if it's back, it's 35. In the original, it's 37 because they had two lame clip episodes. Every time you say that, I hear the Imagine Dragons song, Thunder. Thunder? I don't like that song. Yeah, me neither, actually. They play it a lot on 93. And every time he says that, that's what I hear. See, I just think of Zeus. <laughs> Zeus! Not Thor! No. No. No, he doesn't have divine thunder. He just has thunder. I'll say he's the god of hammers. Everyone knows that. Yeah, <laughs> he's a god of getting hammered in the face with a hammer. All right. So this episode starts with a pretty short recap of the last episode where Atherin's dad was like, ah, I'm a jerk who's also Magneto and wants to kill all humans. 
you should take this sweet nuclear Gundam and go burn the planet. Perform an Inquisition-style 40K attack on anybody who might have even thought about coming into contact with Kira. Also, Mob Boss Lacus. We get a sweet recap of that. Mob Boss Lacus. I really like... Lackis. That's a horrible outfit, but also I love that outfit. It's a good color. That maybe The color it. works on her. But, like, why does she have the shoulder collar thing? She likes collars. Fashion. Yeah, I guess. It holds her neck up. She's been stretching her neck for years. And unless she has a neck support, it just kind of like lops. Then how do you explain the other outfits we've seen her in that don't have that? It's actually just got a sheer like stocking thing on her neck. We're about to get to the best Lacus outfit. So close, I can taste it. So I'm I'm unfortunately familiar with this. Well, maybe not unfortunately, because you have it as your desktop background of her like manning gunship Lacus. (laughs) Maybe flagship Lacus. Also, we got the opening at some point in here. Yeah, like I said, after a brief recap, we get the opening. It's still here. We're about to get rid of it. And soon the three characters who show up in the opening that we haven't seen yet will appear. It is like the worst example of spoiler openings because those characters don't even show up during the same time as this opening. To be fair, it's not a bad spoiler because I know literally nothing about them. Yeah, but there's no reason for them to be there. Also, did Natarl die? No, she got shipped off to a relevant unit, remember? She got submarined away. <laughs> yeah, well, She thought, got put on a submarine. I thought they were taking her to Panama, which, spoilers, gets attacked this episode. We don't see her die, so assume she's fine. Okay, that's fair. Well, it's not until Gundam Seed Destiny that characters start dying off screen for no reason. She's a main character, so unless you actually see her die, she's probably fine. That's fair. You know, Kazi could probably just die off screen. No one would even mention it. <laughs> So the episode starts with the still battle-damaged Archangel slowly pulling into orb with lots of strategic shots so they don't have to animate the bombed-out catapult. And also we get Rambo flying in. He's escorting them. Also, Maru looks very drunk. I think they're trying to draw her looking exhausted. Or fatigued, but but she just looks (laughs) smashed. Maybe she is, actually. (laughs) Well, it's not like she's part of a military anymore, so no one's going to get all pissed off if she's drunk on duty. I can see Moo just slipping or something to calm her down a bit. (laughs) Oh, drunk on sleeping pills, obviously. Glare. Yeah, Orb. Orb guy. That's Kigali's father, right? Yes, Orb guy yes. is Kigali's father. And also the prime minister, I want to say. We will find out that Orb's politics don't make any sense. But I don't think that's until Gundam Seed Destiny. Injured dude. Yeah, so Kigali is running on board the Archangel and sees, like, injured mechanic guy, I think. She looks around for Kira. There's a shot like they're going to miss each other, but somehow she saw Kira go by. And she runs up and straight up glomps him. But since this is a realistic anime, there are realistic consequences, and they both fall to the ground. And then she starts, like, punching him. That is Kigali's go-to move. (laughs) Punch Kira? No, punch someone. True. But then she starts crying. It's like, you jerk, I thought you were dead. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. (laughs) Sorry it was that. only temporary. I got better. I met a cleric. She's like, you're really alive? And he's like, nah, nah, I'm not. A zombie. Luckily, no one comes to them in the hall in this awkward moment. Which, yeah, it seems like a thing that would happen in another anime, but not this one. Yeah. This one gets its shitty teenager angst elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of sexual tension in this show, weirdly. Yeah, I mean, there are as many naked some. people as there are in the intro. How much Maru boot bouncing we get. Yeah, well, I mean, there's also... It, it seems like Moo would come across that and make a comment, doesn't it, in a different show? I mean, Flay and Kira earlier on in the yeah, series, Yeah, that's true. But there definitely is some. Actually, I get the feeling that Moo, being the uh, cool uncle, probably would see it and make a sarcastic oh, yeah. comment to Kira later. Yeah. But he, he wouldn't actually say it there. He would come in, he would do a thumbs up to no one, because no one would see him, <laughs> and then walk away. And probably make some kind of snide comment later. So then we cut to the bridge where Lord Azumi, who is Kigali's dad's name. Yeah, uh, Orb Guy. Rambo. 
who is <laughs> does not have particularly good facial animation at the moment. <laughs> and two businessmen <laughs> are on the bridge. Rambo looks oddly bland. <laughs> does it make him blando? And she's like, hey, thanks for accepting our ship randomly. And he's like, well, you'll understand if we keep you under tight watch because you're like a random ship that came in. But at least you can get some sleep, which it looks like you need. Oh, wait, you're animated fine now. Never mind. <laughs> but the Mars went away. There's also this great shot they reused three times of the back of Lord Azumi's head looking at Maru so he can talk to her without any animation being needed. Which is great because he has a lot of dialogue talking about how the world politics are shifting after Joshua got blown up. He's like, yeah, I'll tell you what's going on after you sleep and let you think about it yourselves. Because I am a cool authority figure. You didn't think those existed in this hey, they're, series, they're or they two. died immediately. There's shot number two in the yep. back of Lord Azumi's head. It's like, I bet you will ask yourself why you bother putting on that uniform. And Maru's like, we I already just had did. this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like, the way they animated her there makes it seem like she's like, yeah, I know, where are my sleeping pills? And then we get a shot of Sai finishing off his drink. He needed a hard one. And uh, well, dealing with Cuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Cuzzy's like, so what are we go- what's going to happen to us now? Sai's like, why do you think I know? He's like, we're not soldiers, right? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we deserted, so we're fine, right? Technically, we're deserters. So we uh, could get shot for that. And Cuzzy's like, yeah, but I still have this discharge paper I Which taped up like a dollar in bit. his pocket for some reason. <laughs> and Sai can't even and decides <laughs> to leave. And Sai's just like, I'm going I'm to the bathroom. And, and then Millie's <laughs> like, I ain't deal with this shit. And I'm Mil- out. Millie doesn't even make an excuse. She just leaves. <laughs> if she's got to be stuck with Cuzzy. So bad that she's like, hey, there's this meal here. And the cook's like, oh, yeah, that was supposed to be the for the prisoner, but we're all busy, so no one took it. And she's like, way rather hang out with him than Cuzzy. Yeah, you know the guy I tried to kill? I'd rather hang out with that guy. <laughs> Although she does have to think about it. She's obviously not going to hang out with Cuzzy, but... <laughs> she's, she's going to leave, but then decided, nah, you know what? Let's go hang out with that guy. It's better than Cuzzy. So then we get a shot of Kigali and Kira talking on the catwalk in front of the Freedom, which is a set, in air quotes, they like to use a lot in this episode, which is pretty cool since the Freedom looks pretty nice, all powered down, no color except on the gun. Does the gun not have phase armor? I, no, apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that makes sense, but... I actually like how they have Kigali staring up at the machine and Kira's actually looking away. So they're actually kind of talking next to each other more than at each other. And Kigali's all like, well, we went to search for you, but we found that jerk Atherin instead. I don't like him. What are you talking about, Baka? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he seemed real upset that he murdered you. It was so hot. Kira reiterates the plot way better than we did. It's like, well, I murdered Nickel, who is such a pivotal character. And he murdered Tall, who the guys didn't even mention when they were recapping the series. So there wasn't anything we could do but try to murder each other. It's kind of odd because we all like Tall. Yeah, Tall was a nice guy. Of course, we got another shot of the stupid way they reanimated for the HD remake of Kira killing Nickel. Like tripping onto the sword. Yeah, I hate it. And then pushing it all the way through. I hate it so much. Well, if you look at it, it's reversed. The, The energy plate is on the back side of it. He oh uses God, it's so dumb. I hate it. Anyway, Kira's like, so of course we had to kill each other. And Kira's like, haven't you been friends since you were little? And Kira's like, yeah, I had such a crush on him when I was little. He'd always protect me. He was always so strong. He was always helping me out. It's such I great mean, character. Kira's like, why did you stay in the military? And he says, you know, he finally gets to tell someone what he's been brooding about this entire time, which is that he feels like he has to stay around to protect, protect everybody. Keep everybody else alive. To be fair, they'd probably be dead without him several uh, times. Well, to be fair, actually, they'd probably be fine. They'd probably still be on Heliopolis, and that would probably still be in one piece. 
Yeah, Rao's kind of a jerk. He might have come up with a different reason to blow it up. It's hard to say. Well, actually, Kira blew up Heliopolis. That's true. Although, I think Rao found it beneficial to have done so. Yeah, it's hard to say really what Rao wants. I certainly think knowing what his end goal is, that plays into it. But I don't think it was like an objective he had going in there. Well, it looks bad if he wastes a colony and everybody got all pissed off when he did it. So I don't think that was initially part of his plan. Yeah, but someone else did it. Eh, he still got blamed for it. Everybody got blamed for it. Oddly enough, except Kira. Oh, no, he got blamed for it, too. He just wasn't there. He was dead when he got blamed for it. Or, you know, dead. So Millie comes into the brig. Which still has no guard, by the way. Eh, they got bars. It's fine. Also, I don't think they have any right to detain him at this point since they've deserted. That is true. They just really don't have anything better to do with him. So Millie's like, hey, sorry for trying to kill you. And uh, (laughs) sorry you haven't been fed yet. And he just stares at her. And then he's like, yeah, I just didn't expect you to bring it, honey. And she is like, what do you call me? (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, my name's Mirielia. And in a scene that really doesn't play at all in the English version, he's like, you mean I can call you by your name? And she just says no and starts to storm off. But he interrupts her because she doesn't get to walk away dramatically because she's not a main character. (laughs) And he's like, what the hell is going on? Why am I still on board? Why are you still like getting in battles every five minutes while I'm in this jail cell? Miri says the same thing. What the fuck do you think I know about it? Like, we asked the same thing. They said they didn't want you. If you want useless answers, go ask Cuzzy. Actually, I feel like Cuzzy mostly just asks useless questions. He he does ask useless questions because he has no real information. And then we end that scene with a shot of the food. Including some nice toast. I mean, he's, tomatoes. he's got a valid point. Why are they still going in? But they also have nothing to do with him right now. So it's like, I'm pretty sure at this point, Maru and the bridge crew probably forgot about him. I feel like he might be useful, like, if they're going rogue, he might be useful in negotiations later. And not really. If you're trying to defect to Orb, having a Zaft prisoner on board ain't going to do you any good. He is the son of a councilman, but they don't know that, so. <laughs> All they know is that he was a pilot who was trying to kill them for a long time. Maybe they could retrain him? What, like brainwashing? No, to be a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fix this Gundam for us. You drove it, right? So then we cut back to the orb briefing room where Maru, Moo, the helmsman, yeah, the helmsman for some reason are all well, reporting. I, I kind of get the feeling that the helmsman is like the de facto second in command on the ship. I with feel like Nataral he's probably a ranking the... officer at this point, well, right? I, that, that's what I mean. Is that I think after Nataro leaving, I think he's kind of like the de facto he's got second seniority. In command. Yeah. <laughs> Because Mu is a pilot, so he's not really in the same chain of command as he already expressed. Also, Maru and Rambo have glasses of water and, and no one else. <laughs> I, I find it odd that Mu is actually standing at attention with his uniform looking all nice and, and neat instead of what he usually would be doing, which hey. is slouching with his uniform kind of unkempt. He and knows when he has to play it straight. They're basically defecting at this point, so like he has to be careful. And they explain everything that happened at Alaska. And Izumi is like, well, that's extreme, but it took out 80% of Zaf's forces, so it worked. And then something, something, moral quandaries, everyone looks sad and serious. And then they turn on the TVs to watch Fox News talking about how great (laughs) this sacrifice was and how they definitely need to murder all the coordinators. Did he just have this, like, queued up or something? (laughs) I assume it's just the news on the TV. All the time. Or he recorded it. Because, I mean, it's entirely possible he could... And this is the result. He turns it on and it's a commercial for Downey. (laughs) Wait for it. Dramatic timing. (laughs) Look, you see his face. He's very good at drama. Kill the patch worker. That... I don't understand that uh, Presumably for uh, splicing to make him into a coordinator. 
I think uh, that's. That, I, I think, think it doesn't quite idea. translate right. Yeah, so we get we get a bunch of shots of like civil unrest and people wanting to kill coordinators. There oh, are that, riots. Now that I think about it, I want that so much more. Where somebody goes, "This is wrong," for very dramatic effect, and turns on the TV, and it's like a commercial for some kind of random thing like Downey or Bounty or something. Or yeah, but then the like slogans Downey, the brand for real humans. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys been watching the Orville? No, no, because that is the exact type of joke that would show up in that. <laughs> I, I've heard it's pretty good. It's yeah, it's like a mix of Star Trek Next Generation and also poking fun at Galaxy Star Trek Quest? at the same time. Not quite Galaxy Quest levels. It's it's more serious than that, but there are a lot of good off-brand humor moments. I heard there was an f bomb in Star Trek, and people were concerned. <gasps> yeah, I was not aware this is a thing to be concerned over. I guess Picard never cursed. Yeah. He seemed like he would, but no, he seems too good for it. Like he would, exactly. he, would he would consult his Shakespeare insult table <laughs> and come up with something better. So Lord Azumi's like, uh, with all this going on, the Atlantic Federation has been putting more pressure on neutral nations and basically said, you're either with us or against us. And Orb is like, well, good thing we have military superiority over you. I guess tech superiority over you. I mean, it also doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, given that Orb also has a lot of coordinators in it. Yeah, well, here's where we, we've brought it up on the podcast before, but here's where he says, you know, our nation is one of the few that actually allows coordinators to reside here. So, like, it would be awkward anyway. Didn't they lose one of the main cannons in the battle? I presume they're putting one back on. We have seen that they have the parts to repair no, the ships that they made. It's it. just awfully fast, given that they haven't been in dock for more than, like, an hour or something. This is the second time they've had to fix it in, like, a week. <laughs> That is true. Less than a month has gone by since they last put it back together. So I'd like to point out that one of the protest signs is just like a picture of the Earth, some water, and I assume the sun. I don't... I think that <laughs> has to do with the Blue Cosmos. Uh, blue and pure Earth thing. Yeah, their, their logo is for the preservation of our blue and pure world. I just assumed they were trying to advertise the water cycle. <laughs> <laughs> and they really wanted people to know more and about it. During his speech about, you know, coordinators and naturals getting along together and everything like that, Kira and Kigali look at each other and, like, Kigali kind of pulls away like, I am not standing close to you. They spent some money on Kigali's animations this episode. And, it's uh, more that she stares at him and then he looks to look at her and she's like, well, I wasn't staring. And then he gives his cheapest smile. It's very good. Kigali and, and, is a natural. Kira's a coordinator. and then I'm not sure what that has to do with anything. Well, I mean, he's illustrating his points. <laughs> <laughs> I love this face. Okay, that is that is pretty great. Kigali just makes this absolutely perfect embarrassed face that I really wish came through on the podcast. Yeah, because obviously Izumi was like, these two get along. Look, they're flirting. They don't even know. He doesn't want that. <laughs> but he expressed that that was going to be a bad thing that they got along so well. That's fine. Coordinators are all infertile or something. But anyways, like, so I can't agree with the Atlantic Federation, so we're not going to join up with them. So it's probably going to lead to conflict. <sighs> Well, it's a good thing you have uh, Jesus on your side. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, who should we fight? Etc. And Everyone. I mean, that's kind of what Kira, I think, is trying to push everyone towards is we should fight war itself. Uh, don't worry. Gundam Seed Destiny is going to happen. <laughs> uh, but In a lot of ways, Kira's not all that bright. I got I to gotta remind you there, Tyler. He's full of conviction. He's an idealistic teenager. Point him at Spira and he'll solve all their problems. But... <laughs> Uh, Moo's like, hey, isn't that just like, aren't you just spouting ideology, basically? He's like, coordinators and naturals are going to like continue to fight because of the reasons that started this in the first place, of naturals being jealous and coordinators wanting them to deal with it. So really quick, we get a pan shot back over to Izumi, 
to hear his response to Moo's line of questioning. But one of these pictures is slightly crooked. It's uh, really bizarre. Oh, the one in the top top right of the screen? Is that the one? No, you're the one about? on the far left, just over Azumi's shoulder, it's leaning down on the right side. Just a little I bit. I don't see what you're talking about. Yeah, I can see it from the bottom, not from the top though. Like the top looks perfectly straight to me, but on the bottom it does look like it's Oh, no. It looks slanty to me either way. Anyway, I like the fact that they bothered to animate that and probably just screwed up, actually. Anyway, Azumi's like, hey, we got some problems. Don't harass me, Moo. He's basically like, yeah, but like, we got to try, right? I'm a politician. I got to promise blue skies and greatness to get elected. And <laughs> then it's, I got to figure out how to do it later. Besides, if we all kill each other, it's going to be bad for everyone. Yeah, we'll all get the revenue money for uh, Civic Works Project. Everybody's dead. And here's the one part in the series that I really like, Izumi, where he's like, are you saying just because it's hard we should give up? You guys can do what well, you I want. Mean, he's got a point. But we're going to war. And he basically says that I understand if you have problems disobeying the uniforms that you're literally still wearing. Yeah, while they're defecting, they're still wearing all their Earth Forces uniforms. But he, like, he, you know, does, a, I think, very good speech telling them to, like, you know, really consider what you want. And make sure you're making the right choice. You're all young. Then Kira's like, what do you think we should do, Izumi? And he has a line I really like where he says, I believe we're in a position where our swords can no longer be for display. Which is great because they got a lot of swords attached to giant robots. <laughs> and yes, it, they do. It makes Kira smile like that's the answer he was looking for. Yeah. To be fair, that is the answer I feel like he's been trying to goad people into for the past couple episodes. And then we get the eye catch. Hey, it's Jeremy, not Tyler. I sent him to Siberia because he couldn't get episodes out on time. Thank you all for listening to another episode of It's a Gundam. We are almost through Seed. It's exciting, which means we're almost out of backlog, even though we recorded these episodes like a year ago. Because I haven't recorded one of these in a while, I have no idea what Tyler's been saying or if he's been replying to the emails. But we got one about a month ago from Chris, who said, he was listening in. We were funny as hell, so thank you, Chris. And asked if we were going to talk about Destiny since we talk about it so much. And the good news is we have recorded already a couple episodes of Gundam Seed Destiny. If Tyler hasn't told you that already, he probably actually replied because he's way more on the ball with this stuff. But yes, despite our better judgment, we will be talking about Gundam Seed Destiny in just a couple of months now since we're nearly done with Seed. If you would like to email us, Gundam at lasttimeonvideogames.com is where you can do that, or you can just leave a comment on our website, lastpodcast.com, and we'll see and probably reply to that as well. Thank you very much again for listening, and I'll let you get back to the episode. Bye. So anyway, we get a shot of Panama, and we see their mass driver. It does, the series doesn't do a good job of explaining what this is or the tactical it importance just of it. looks like a big roller coaster. Yeah, presumably it's to make th launching things into space easier. Yes. No, so. it's just Death Mountain. Yeah, they fire, actually, it's they like they the boomer reaction just go up and then, and then it goes come, back down. Yep. <laughs> and then we see Zaft launching all the missiles at it from submarines, as well as a bunch of I, underwater mobile Okay, suits. I like how they, like, confirming conf all the pilot, the team names, and the first one is Harold, and then there are all <laughs> these weird names. Look, Zaft isn't really a nation. It's a group of people, right? <laughs> You're going to have Harold next to Saeed. So then we get some nice exposition on whatever sub Rao is on, where captain of the submarine's like, hey, isn't a homeland asking too much of us since we all died and don't have anyone? 
now we have to take where they gathered all their forces. But we get a shot of Patrick Zala brooding alone in the dark in his president chair. Looking very Darth Sidious-y. And Rao's like, we don't have a choice. Uh, If we don't stop the momentum of the games on Joshua, we're finished. And what we have to do is trap them on Earth so that they can't form a counterattack. He's not wrong. And it seems like a reasonable strategy. But they do have to go through their main forces. Yeah. But they do have a plan in place, which is that they put the fucking golden eye right over Panama and are going to use it to <laughs> shut down all their stuff. And we get a cool shot in space of like their space support units. And I do always like when you like have space advantage. It's a cool idea. And we see... It's very similar to having something like air superiority. Yes. But it's cool in sci-fi. Yes. And we also see a whole bunch of dins and the duel on its little, uh, what are we, oh, ghouls? Ghouls, yeah. It's little ghoul ready to assault. So then Rao goes to his private quarters where, you know, his redhead's just there with a gun pointing it at him because that's what he <laughs> likes. And he just like walks to his desk like nothing's going on. It is one of my favorite tropes when the person in power just like ignores the threats on them. <laughs> Because they know their art real. But Flay just has the gun trained on him the entire time. She looks he, like a sad puppy. <laughs> and he just knows she like, kind of is. He's like, hey, we're, there's about to be a battle. Want to watch? Sorry I keep dragging you around everywhere, but, you know, that's my orders. Got to do what I got to do. And she somewhat reasonably asks, why did you take me? And he just has this creepy grin and says, yeah, you're already good as dead. Or in the English dub, living on borrowed time. And we get a flashback to him kidnapping her. And he's like, if I'd shot you, you'd have died. If I'd left you there, you would have died. And if you shoot me here, the guards will come, and then you will die. Or you could just kill yourself, you know, just saying. Who knows what they would do with the hot redhead in an Earth versus uniform that's in my room for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) And we see her shaking as, you know, she can't hold a gun while being still. And he has the real badass line of, I presume the gun is at least loaded. (laughs) (laughs) And then we cut to explosions. Over sad piano, I think, is what's happening right now. This show does actually a lot of destruction to sad piano. I really like the soundtrack for Gundam Seed. We don't talk about it enough. And then we get a random shot of Izak doing stuff because Izak's so relevant. Star Wars targeting computer. (laughs) We do see Zaf, despite being down on firepower, is doing pretty well here. But we get to see like a lot of gun turrets and conventional weapons. And I really like battle scenes like this where it feels like both forces just have these huge combined arms forces. There's no hero units going around doing all the work. There's nobody Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, I was going to say this ain't Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> but because they're different sides, they have very different sorts of combined arms. The Earth forces have all these VTOLs and gun encampments. And Zaft has all these submarines and different types of mobile suits. Yeah, like gun trucks, turrets, stuff like that. My one problem with that scene in general is that they're claiming that Zaft is super down on forces and they're super desperate and there's like no way they could possibly attack the main base. And then they just kind of waltz over the Earth forces later. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. But I actually, we do know that the coordinators have a huge advantage over them. Like they're down in manpower, but their technology is significantly better. So they've already kind of presented that and they've lost quite a few of them to the conventional weapons. My question is, why didn't they just do this like years ago? I mean, the war's been going on less than a year, I think. Oh, well, why didn't they just do this months ago? Because Lacus's dad didn't want to. Oh, okay, that's true. That's that's true. I forgot about that. They were trying to look for a peaceful solution to the problem. But, you know, now that Patrick Zala's in charge, da-da-da-da-da! Yeah. Also, not only is it sad piano, we also see all this destruction over Rao telling Flay why she's a terrible soldier. Well, she's not wrong, but we see it just completely demoralizes her, and she kind of puts the gun down. I was thinking that as uh, Rao trying to, like, say, consider what you really are rather than trying to demoralize her. Although he's also enough of an asshole, he may just be trying to demoralize her. 
I mean, he's definitely got a long play going on, but it's not really clear what it is. So then we cut to Maru, who has now changed into her PJs or something. Just like civilian t-shirt. and Maru is still in the uniform because he's most comfortable while in an unkempt uniform. <laughs> and he's like, well, Panama. And Rambo's like, yeah, they've been under attack since dawn. We don't really know the details. But Mu immediately identifies why Zafu went to attack it. But Rambo's like, they have to be desperate because that's where all the Earth Force's power is. And then he says the very helpful, I'm sure this leaves you with mixed feelings. No. <laughs> Gee, what do you think? And then we cut back to Zaf destroying some stuff. We see Battery 3 get destroyed. I only bring that Battery up Battery 3 gets stepped on. Yeah, they, they, get, they mention that in like 30 seconds. I actually kind of like that idea because it implies like the greater um, army. Yeah, that's why I really like these sorts of big battles, and we don't get them very often in Gundam. And, like, we have Izak running around here, but he's, like, the only sort of main character. And he's not even really doing true hero unit stuff. Yeah, we actually... Like, he's not taking on the entire army himself. I really like that we got to see a landmine go off. That was pretty awesome. Right underneath one of the underwater ones. No, it's not a Gog. No, Gogs are from Gundam Seed. That's a Zeno. Oh, that's right. That's a no. <laughs> yeah, so it goes off right underneath the Zeno, and it we saw a lot of the just Gatling guns firing into the armor and not doing a whole lot. So yeah, it's real cool that we get to see how the Earth forces have been fighting these giant robots. Not they need well. their they need their howitzers and stuff to actually punch through the armor. And so Sai, Mirielli, and Kezi ask the helmsman, "Hey, is it true that Panama's under attack?" Like, yeah, I don't know. Guess so. <laughs> it's not like we can do anything from here. And Millie has a real sad, but everyone just died in Alaska. <laughs> now they're dying there too. And to Tyler's point, they have punched through the first line of defense, apparently. And battery three, battery three, what's wrong? Respond! We just, they were asking for reinforcements, got stepped on, and now we have somebody else yelling at them to report. So one of the commanders who looks confident says, bring out the 13th Autonomous Corps. And one of them is like, are you sure, sir? He's like, yeah, that's why we built mobile suits. Yeah, like, what else would they do with this situation? Why would they hold them back? Why weren't they on the front line in the first place? My assumption is there aren't enough to actually put them on the front line. But, like, once they get to the second line, they can be uh, deployed and actually be effective. As fire as a fire breaks, basically. Yeah. Little do they know, they only had to nope. push back the first line. Or the fact that, again, the Golden Eye is in orbit above them. Yeah. And is now launching Gungniers. Gungniers? I can't say that word in German. Oh, no. It's the spear thing that Odin has. Yes. I always just call him Gungnir, but that's because I'm American. That's how it's spelled. We then cut to very sad Flay holding her gun and looking depressed in a chair. And crying a little bit. Poor Flay. And Rao isn't even there. He's on his, he's back on the sub deck checking his watch. So one of the gin pilots is like, this is too easy as it blows up a bunch of tanks. And then he gets lasered in the head. And we get the daggers. It's Optimus Prime. <laughs> so I, It looks like Optimus. It does. We don't actually get the name of these suits in this episode. So I've just been calling them gyms. Yeah, they are They're strike daggers. Strike daggers. <laughs> well, because that dagger was useful like three or four times. It is the plot dagger. Yep. These are not plot daggers, unfortunately. So they do look like a like Optimus Prime version of the Strike combined with the gym a little bit. They have like half the Gundam antenna on their head. They have one beam saber. They have a real cool looking shield, I think. But no like striker pack, but very similar waist and legs to the Strike. I like the design of the daggers. I do as well. And the Jin uh, are oh no, what's that? Is that the Strike? Because as far as they know, it might be. Yeah. Well, as far as they know, the Earth Forces only have the Strike. Then Isaac goes and is like, nah, brah. <laughs> this is the one hero moment Isaac has where he's like, no, nah, that's not the strike. And while the gin pilots are getting destroyed and flanked and outmaneuvered by these new dagger forces, Isaac is able to come in and just deal with them. 
because he's been doing anti-mobile suit combat basically his entire career. Yeah, because he's been going head-to-head with Kira, and Kira's a far better pilot than anybody they have piloting these daggers. Yeah. In a machine that has higher performance than them. Then we cut to the press Maru, still in her civvies, staring at her uniform conflictedly. And Mu looking up at the Freedom with similar conflict in his eyes. Akira comes by to hang out with Mu because they haven't had much interaction lately. But then we cut back to Rao. And he's like, ah, core of Earth Force's mobile suits. How amusing. Yeah, too bad they're going to get nukes. <laughs> and Rao's like, ah, excellent. This works in our favor. They've activated our trap card. They would have fallen prey to the Gungnirs anyway. So, like, being out on the field doesn't really affect that. True. But, like, if they'd been in base, maybe they could scramble them or something. Like, we don't know what the EMP shielding is like on their base. That's fair. So, yeah, Izak jumps off his ghoul to man mode these strike daggers. It takes one out with just his stock footage attack. Turns around and blasts (laughs) two more. Stock footage attack. (laughs) Hey, it's a very powerful attack. That's why they keep using it. And the GoldenEye deploys these little pods down, which land in the ground and have to be activated, which doesn't seem great, but I really like it, like, from a tactical standpoint. It explains why they had to, like, take some land to set these up. I really found it hilarious that there's a giant number pad for <laughs> mobile suits to use on the side it, of this thing. Yeah, it is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like, can you imagine having to build that? I mean, it's better than having to eject. Park your mobile suit next to it eject and put in the well, code to be fair this kind of thing you'd usually have some kind of like uh, combat engineers on yeah. hand to activate something like this because you can't trust that kind of shit to a uh, line soldier i feel like a usb port so we see some like footage of some random zaf soldiers setting up the canisters getting ready for deployment but they get attacked by daggers and we get a sword versus lightsaber fight which is actually pretty cool. Unfortunately, that fight apparently takes two minutes, most of which happens off screen. Three minutes instead of that 180 seconds. Uh, yes. But then we get keep cutting back to the countdown timer to lower each time before the lightsaber goes right through the Jin's cockpit and destroys it. But then the Gunyers activate, and they are EMPs. So my, my problem with this is that, for some reason, the Zapt forces don't seem to be affected by this, and they were talking about, like, I don't know. I feel like the Jins are not exceptionally EMP-shielded. In the next episode, we will get a line from the Earth Alliance, or I, Zaft, I can't remember, that after this, they will improve their EMP shielding enough that this tactic won't be effective again. So I don't know if it's just the Earth forces, like, skimping on that sort of stuff to save money, or... Well, I mean, this kind of attack obviously hasn't been deployed yet, so they probably weren't thinking about it. Yeah, I'm just surprised that Zaft wasn't affected by this as well. Well, Rao is could... exceptionally devious, so I could see him... Quick, put tinfoil all on. over all of our mobile suits. Uh, Commander, are you, uh, <laughs> you feeling you all okay? right? <laughs> so all the cool new daggers just shut down. Rao gets a nice grin. The command center shuts down. We see a bridge blowing up, and I'm, I am I guess there were lots of well, I mechanical think, stuff in I it or something. I think that's part of the mass driver. And so it's... It's probably magnetic. It's yeah, probably fucking up all the magnetic systems that are supposed to send stuff Th- along the rail. So we they destroy the one in Orb later, and it is pretty long. They so destroyed the Boomerang roller coaster. It was sad. And then, then mortars wrecked the rest of the uh, base. Commander lets use our mobile suits dies. We see a whole bunch of shots of Jins just destroying the daggers by just, like, pushing them over and shooting their giant bullets into the cockpit. Yeah, one of the Jin pilots is clearly a little unhinged. Yeah, and then there's, you know, lots of, ah, you killed all my friends at Alaska, so now you're going to die. There's a bit where all the naturals are, like, raising their hands to surrender. And one says, hey, we're not taking naturals prisoner. Yeah, like, and kills them point-blank range with the giant gin machine gun. 
And then we cut to Izak brooding on a hill who's like, just like, he's like, so, I'm a noble warrior. What's so fun about killing people that aren't fighting back? I'm going to go meditate in a wasteland. Which is, I think, very key to Izak's character development, what he gets. Because I think this is him starting to process like his feelings. Like he's always treated Kira as like this adversary he has. And while I think he wants to murder him, I do think Izak is the sort of person that if he like had seen him in orb, he wouldn't have shot him. Because earlier on, we saw him gun down the civilian shuttle. And that was a bunch of people that were piecing out. Like, he thought they were soldiers. They were civilians. But, I mean, at, at this point, he probably doesn't take that shot. Yeah. I think he doesn't say, oh, they're disgusting. But he's, like, working through his feelings about all these people who are dying or they try to surrender. But the Panama base is destroyed. We get a whole bunch of daggers destroyed. But we also see some Zaf mobile suits have been destroyed as well so then we cut back to moo and kira hanging out and moo's like so you're gonna fight even if you're all alone and kira basically is like well gotta do what i can if i'm the only one that can then i'm that's how that's gonna have to be which is kind of how he's lived his entire life up until this point he just hasn't been shooting at somebody while doing it yeah well yeah and also like he defended his friends because he felt like he was the only one who could and like he had a base and a ship and ostensibly a military support but not really i don't think in his head he never thought, like, the Earth forces were going to come to his rescue. No, that's true. So then Kigali comes up and he's like, hey, remember Erica Simmons, that real important character? She has something she wants to show you. All the way at the research facility. Also, Moo, you come. It's important. <laughs> and uh, Maru. And Erica's like, hey, I thought I should give this back to you. And we see they've fixed the strike. And she's like, I put the OS for Naturals on it because I figured someone else would be driving it because we thought you were dead. Well, I mean, I can't pilot two Gundams at the same time, so... Yes. Kigali's like, I'll pilot it. He's like, oh, if it's okay with you. Which, just to pause for a moment, we've okay. talked about how Kigali doesn't get to do much. If she had the strike, I feel like this would have gone a lot better. Technically speaking, <laughs> it, it's technically orbs now due to right of salvage, but... So when you say this would have gone a lot better, is that foreshadowing no, or no, just... No, Kigali's... I mean, Kigali is a character. Lot. Okay. Like, she would have something to do, right? She would get to be on the front lines. Not that I mind what happens with it, because she's like, ah, oh, if it's okay with you. And Erica did this to give it back to them. Yeah. So she's like, if it's okay with you. And Moo's like, nah, I call dibs. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> dibs. He's like, I'm sick of the jet. And he's like, no, uh, you can't. And she's like, why not? He's like, I'm piloting it. And he gets this real determined look on his face with I love. And Maru's like, commander. He's like, not anymore. Miss Maru. <laughs> uh, Speaking of what, she want to go out for drinks later? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so then we get the very badly animated strike gun. I'm like, the proportions are all off. The, the, the antenna the doesn't look v right. on the top looks weird. Its yeah. face actually looks like mildly like scared or sad. It looks derpy. Uh, and so Kira has the great line of, like, you know, I can't help but thinking it's way too soon for you to start sparring with me. And Moo is like, bring it on, motherfucker. I taught you everything you know. Yeah, quiet, don't tell me what to do. Let's go. And that's where the episode ends with the two of them in a sparring match in, like, the research dome. Which I guess we is where we saw them testing these strays anyway. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's like they're a gladiator pit for Gundams. So yeah, that's episode 37, Divine Thunder. It's not a filler episode. It's moving the plot forward. But a lot of the action takes place without the main characters. Well, but like I said, I really like that combined arms battle scene. It's not something we get in a lot of Gundam series. It's an important side thing. Like, you need it to set up the rest of the show. But it is not one that I'd ever lose sleep over missing. I think I did miss this episode the first time I watched the series. Because this is when uh, it was no longer on Toonami and had changed to the, like... 2 a.m. slot. 
Yeah, so did missing that affect your ability to follow the plot at all? No, because I remember the next episode I saw, and that starts with Moo being, like, dibs. Ah. So, and that's really the important thing that happened, is Moo called dibs. Yep. So now he finally has a mobile suit, and it's a good one. A mobile suit. Yep, the mobile suit. Mobile suit strike. (laughs) Well, who's going to deliver random packs to Moo, then? Kigali still has something. Yeah, Kigali. Kigali. Marielia will be like, ah, oh, my boyfriend, he drove this jet, and now I shall. Do they still even have, yeah, I guess they still have Moose Jet. Yeah, or, they still um, have one. Or Moo will just be like, you know what, fuck it, I'm taking all of them. Yeah, all the time. Just every time he launches out, it's like, eh, screw the battery drain. It's fine. That <laughs> happens in the HD version. <laughs> Not in the original. <laughs> oh, God, I was kidding. Yeah, the uh, the original one, it's basically just the striker. The uh, ale strike pack. He just stops switching mid-combat. He stops using that tactic. Okay. Or, you know, the freedom could go grab one. And <laughs> I'll be right back, Moo. I'll go grab. Actually, the, the strike could just go back, grab one, and then come back out. All right. So we have our game. As I said, it is back after almost 10 episodes. The last time points were scored was episode 29. This episode, we got three minutes and 59 seconds, which is the most of any episode by a whole five seconds. Okay, yes. so not Diarca. So that brings the total up to 1149. Oh, oh, is it uh, Kira and Kigali being on screen together? <laughs> <laughs> and they're sweet flirts. That two minute and 33 second chunk there, though. There's a long chunk. Huh. And also a three second chunk. Yes, at the beginning. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I still don't know. We're getting close to where uh, it will be revealed. I think two, three more episodes. Just because we'll stop scoring points at that point? Forever uh, after? No, but the other side will start scoring points. Wait, the other side? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> then I will tell you what the game is. <laughs> I'm so confused. That's fine. That's the point. But before that, we have to finish our business for this episode. So Tyler, do you have a high point for this episode? You know, normally I try to think about this ahead of time, but I kind of forgot. I'm actually going to give it to the Rao smirk after the deployment of the Gungnirs. Specifically that smirk. It's a good smirk. It's a good smirk. Maybe not his best, but it's a good smirk. A lot of runners up for high points, but... Zach? Lord Azumi's speech. It's very good. It's I good. really like that speech. I kept trying to think of what my second one would be, because I sh- was sure one of you were going to take Moo calling dibs on the strike. <laughs> but since you didn't, it's all mine. My runner-up was also the whole scene with Rao and Flay in his quarters. That's so. pretty good. I really like the small bit with Izak. Just Musing not, on top of a hill. Yes. Not participating in mass murder. You know, as you do. He's a rebellious teenager. So do you have a low point, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah, low point is Cuzzy. Just <laughs> that whole scene with Cuzzy. It's just. The it, scene is great. Yeah, no, it's a great scene, but Cuzzy is a low point in it. <laughs> very little Cuzzy remaining. <laughs> Treasure him while you can. Zach? Uh, this episode's very flat. I'm actually having a hard time coming up with an actual low point. Battery three! <laughs> I don't actually know, because I kind of like the battle going on. I Mukal and Dibs is pretty great. The speech, which is the other really big point that I can think of. Not enough Atherin? There's zero Atherin, except for in the previously Ungundam seat. I mean, yeah. I guess I'd have to go with that. There's not a, enough Atherin going on, but I know it's coming up later, so... Yeah, that seems like kind of a cop-out. I'm trying to think of, like, anything else. See, that's yeah. the hard part, is there's not a whole lot... There's some reused animation, but not actually that much. Yeah, actually, the, the zooming the animation... head reuse. <laughs> I guess I'd have to go with that if I have to go with anything, is the fact that they reuse the back of Lord Azumi's head three <laughs> times. Which is just kind of funny, but... Uh, I'm going to say that they don't do the exposition of the attack on Panama very well. I mean, I think we all got it, but we also all watch this show closely to do a podcast on it. 
and they do have Moose saying, oh, because of the Mass Driver. But if I wish they'd explained it a little more, that this is the only one the Earth Forces have. I think they actually have another one that gets destroyed off screen. Well, Rao also kind of mentions that. As yeah. Like, we have to destroy that to trap them, them on. Yeah, trap them on Earth. So it's not even that bad. But I didn't get it the first time, but I also missed this episode the first time. So maybe my low point is that I missed this episode in the first run. It's hard to choose one for this, because yeah. as Zach said, it's it's pretty flat. There are some good moments, but there aren't any great moments, and there aren't any terrible moments. I mean, it's so. hard to say, because it's not that saying it's a bad episode, it's just very flat in yeah. terms of its quality. Any final thoughts besides that? I think that wraps it up pretty well. I'm curious to see where, like, specifically, I commented on it a couple times, or I guess commented tangentially on it a couple times, so I'm curious to see where Flay's character goes from this point. Because she's just kind of hanging around Rao's quarters, and not doing much. Yeah. Being depressed. I kind of hope that she turns into a spokesperson for them or something. Mm. Uh, I will say the original plan for Flay was not to have Rao kidnap her, but to have her be like a propaganda person for the Earth forces. And they were going to try to say, no, she's the one who actually drove the strike. It was a natural all along. We just like made up that story to confuse Zaft. And she was going to get a pink strike. That, that pink strike was initially supposed to yeah. be Flay's. <laughs> that pink mobile suit in the eye catch. So when you say the original plan, do you mean the original plan as the show is yeah, running? Yeah, for the, the showrunners. Okay, gotcha. And they changed it for I don't know what reason. But they had already had all those sweet art assets laying around. So. Yeah. So do we want to put a mobile suit on the list since we haven't in a while? We haven't. And we have the dagger now, and we're going to get a bunch of mobile suits in the near future. I feel like we've also skipped. We haven't done the freedom yet. There's yeah. a reason for that. Because it isn't perfect freedom? No. And more that I think because it's such a big unit, we should wait to put it on until it's done some more. That's fair. So do we want to put the dagger on the list? Yeah, like, sure. Uh, it's... Oh, because the list crashed. Yeah, go ahead and just... I, I already... Cancel? Uh, do... Yeah, see if cancel will... We'll just open it. Yes. Cool. Okay. So I think we should start with the naked strike. Do we think it's cooler than the strike sans pack? I do. That shield is really bitching. I do like the shield on it. Yeah, and I, I actually like the color scheme. Of, like, I like the way the strike is shaped a bit more, but I actually like the uh, dagger's like overall aesthetic just a little more. So how about the duel? Another similar Gundam without the big bulky assault shroud. Yeah, that, that's the one that's basically the original Gundam. Yeah, but with uh, a rocket on the laser. I ah. like the I like the strike dagger. Yeah, so I like the duel slightly more. I think I'm with Zach. I think I like the strike dagger just a bit more. How do we think it compares to the din though with those wings? I actually think I like the din more because I really, I really like, the like the like air superiority design for it. I like the idea behind the din, but personally, I like the strike dagger. I definitely like the din more. You agree, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I think I do. Like, I really like the Din's design. It's cool. All right, I'm so, a sucker for mono eyes. So the Strike Dagger will almost make it halfway up the list between the Din and the Duel at number 12. So we've got the Baku, like, three spots down, and I read that as the Barbecue. <laughs> the Barbecue is my favorite <laughs> it's Gundam. It's a very different it's Gundam. party Gundam. Yeah, Barbecue Gundam. You know, that other Gundam for G Gundam. <laughs> Like, any stupid suit I come up with, I'm like, oh, yeah, that belongs to G Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. All right. That about does it for this episode, then. Tune in next time, and we'll watch episode 36 slash... Uh, 38? 38. Uh, Decisive Fire. Oh, which I think is the introduction yes. of the druggies, unless I'm wrong. <laughs> and the other thing. Yes, the drug. great. Oh, yes. And also... We will sadly be leaving one of our characters. One of our beloved characters <laughs> will be gone forever. But we'll get the druggies, who are almost as good. So we'll see you next time. Bye.
You know, I can't help thinking it's still too soon for you to spar with me. Quiet! Now tell me what I can't do. Now here I come!